Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. So let's go to Psalm 68. I want to, I want to, I'm just going to share what the, really, if I would to title this message, I would, deti- I would title this, uh, the seven dynamics of family. This is something we've covered a good bit in the past. Uh, we have been listening to, uh, um, we like to listen to Damon Thompson a good bit, if you can get his podcast or whatever, but I really believe in what they're doing, and I really believe that that, that, is, a, that is a model, if you will, that what God is wanting to build on the earth. And so this morning, how many knows that in the garden, everything started with a family? God put a man in the garden named Adam, and then he built a helpmate suitable for him, a woman. That is God's design. And, um, and, and God, everything that he does is, is built around that family. So let's go to Psalm 68 and verse uh, 6. I want to read this verse of Scripture. And let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for everything that's been accomplished thus far. And Father, we just pray today that you would add your blessing upon the word. Your word is already anointed. Your word is already blessed. I'm the one that needs to help. Open our ears to hear and let us see what the spirit of the Lord is doing in our day and in our midst. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you for every mom, every woman in this place. Father, it is the woman that you said that you shall put enmity between her and the enemy. Father, I thank you that the women are powerful in this house. They are not second-class citizens, but they are powerful in this house. We need this side of the army. My God, I feel the Lord just come in this house. I thank you that you have given this house not just a house of mighty men, but a man, but a house of powerful women, Lord. I thank you that when the woman prays, God, she moves heaven and earth, Father. And I thank you, Lord, for the power of the women that you have placed in this house. And Lord, I thank you that we just need that whole other side of the army empowered and released to do what you called them to do. And, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, Psalm 68, verse 6 says this. God sets the solitary. I'm reading out of the New King James. Some version says the lonely. God sets the solitary in families, and he brings out those who are bound in the prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. Now, how many knows that it is God's will for us to be connected inside of a family? God just don't want us to go to church, but he wants us to get connected to a family. It's one thing to go to church, but it's a whole nother thing to become the church and be a part of a living family, the family of God. Now, Ephesians 2.19 and verse 22, which is what this church was founded on, says that Paul says we're no longer strangers but fellow citizens and members of the household. Listen, the household of God, and we are being built to form a dwelling place of God. As we are built together in unity, God chooses to hang out with us. That is the heart of God that all of us in here would become the dwelling place, not one. Remember, we've been talking about this, that it's not necessarily about me achieving my personal destiny. Come on, somebody. But me learning how to live for something I may never see. Me learning how to live for something I can never see, to become legacy and dynasty uh, minded. Every family has dynamics or ways of operating. Spiritual families are no different. 
Families are led by fathers and mothers. This means spiritual families are to be led by mature leaders. God wants all of us to have leaders in our lives. And one way that we've looked at that in a negative way, I was listening the other day to a podcast that uh, Terry was sharing with us, and one of the things he was talking about, do you know that when we live our lives connected to leadership, and we look at that, we, we, how many knows that it, things have been beat up in the past about submission and things, but that should all be in our heart. Just because we've seen corrupt leaders doesn't mean God throws away his, his, his model the way he moves. And just because we see corrupt parenting doesn't mean that he's done away with the role of parenting. Come on, somebody. But our role is that we willingly submit ourselves one to another. And, and, and the goal, goal of submission to one to another is not to restrict us, but so that we can reach Father. And a picture of this is, um, is that if you take a water hose and you have a faucet and you turn it wide open, the water will shoot so far out of the water hose. But how many knows if you take your thumb and you restrict the flow of that water to one side that it'll reach further than if it was just on its own? That is the goal of God placing family in here. Come on, somebody. He wants us to reach further, and we reach further together. And when we live into that place of that Ephesians 2, we're no longer strangers and citizens. We're no longer uh, loners or long rangers, but we are fellow citizens and members of the household of God, and we are being built into form a dwelling place of God. Now, just like this morning, how many knows it when we opened up, and really, Bethany, when she went out on her own, it just got to a whole nother level. And we weren't, we wasn't even, I mean, one of the things I was thinking about as I was sitting there crying, I remember old gospel song by Sherry Easter. And it's, the song is titled A Handful of Weeds. How many knows that God has cherubims and seraphims that say holy, holy around his throne? He has perfect worship in heaven. And a picture of this is Psalms 8 when he says, When I consider, Lord, how excellent is your name, for your glory is above the heavens. When I consider the excellent work of your hands, the heavens and the earth and the stars, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou should visit him? For out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength and praise. But there's something about when you and I open up, and in that song that Sherry Easter wrote, it says that her, mo her mom deserved roses, but she's satisfied with a handful of weeds. Our father is satisfied with a handful of weeds when we offer him the best we have in worship. Come on, somebody. It's not about being on point with the right notes and the greatest musicians and the greatest song. Come on, somebody. Hello, but God moves when we open up our heart and tell him what he means to us. There is a song that can only be sung by you. Matt can do the best he can, but there's a point that he has to drop off and I have to join in with my song telling God how great he is to me. And nobody knows my story better than me. And when I recite that back, God, I thank you for how faithful you've been to me, God, how awesome you are in my life. That's what moves the heart of God. Come on, somebody. And that's what was happening in this place. We have become a family unit in this room, and all of us was opening up the river that's inside of us. Come on now. The Bible says in John 7, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. God doesn't come down as much as we ascend to the place that God is at. When we open up and release the river that's inside of us, and he starts releasing the river inside of him, and she starts releasing the river inside of her, you could come in this room depressed, ready to give up. Come on, somebody. But all of a sudden, you you find yourself washing in a river and you begin to open up and God begins to flood this place. Hallelujah. All right. Now, 
Families are led by fathers and mothers. This means spiritual families are to be led by mature leaders. The fathers and mothers of the house are the ones that put their thumb. Come on, somebody. If you allow the thumb to be placed, without the thumb on the water hose, you just go a certain distance. But with the restriction of the thumb, come on, somebody, that it allows you to go further. Now, here's what we have. When we get when the church is led by brothers and sisters, we dwell with jealousy, envy, and strive, and all of this kind of stuff. Because brothers and sisters compete, but fathers and mothers complete. And fathers and mothers see the best interests of the child, not what's in best interests of them. So all you tell you, if you're a selfish person, all you got to do is have a child. How many knows that children will break selfishness off of you? And I remember one time listening to this was, it was right after I came to this church. Um, I had the long journey back home because those that knows when I first came here, we didn't live here yet. And so it was two hour drive home. And so I remember one night listening, going home, listening to Bill Johnson on a podcast, and he said that there was two times that gifts were given at his house, in his personal house or whatever. He said it was at his birthday and Christmas. And then I got to listening, but he wasn't the one receiving the birthday gift. He gave his children the birthday gift and the grandchildren at his birthday. And he said he could overhear his grandchildren saying, what are you going to ask Papa for his birthday? You know what I'm saying? They were thinking really hard about it. But let me say this. I'm telling you, we are seeing the transition in the church where mothers and fathers are going to begin to take their place. Come on, somebody. And the church can't be led just by just one person having that role. There has to be a mothering, fathering role to come over the entire body. Y'all, this is good. I'm telling you, an entire, an entire body functioning in this, this is how we train the children in the way that they should go. I was praying one day, and how many knows that we've taken that scripture and we've heard it preached, to train a child in the way that they should go means bringing them to church. That is not what that means. It means you see the prophetic destiny inside of that child, and you begin to point them in that direction, even if it's not the dream that you have in your heart. Even if it's not what you want to see happen in the child, but it's what God created them to be, and you become a parent or a mother and father in their life and start steering them toward that dream. That dream may not be a Major League Baseball player. I'm just talking about my own. Could be that they'd be a musician. Psalm 78, 72 said that David says that he shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands he led them. This speaks of David's leadership. David was far from perfect. He struggled with lust and committed murder and had a hard time correcting his own children. Yet God still called him a man after his own heart and he loved and defended David so much that he named his own son the son of David. Now here's the thing. Listen to this. We've been hurt at the hands of leaders, but it doesn't change God's stance uh, God's stance on who leads the family. Many have been hurt by parents, but we don't throw parenting out the window. The goal of biblical spheres of authority should not be to rule or lord over anybody, but to serve the church and equip the saints. Likewise, the goal of each believer should not be to act independently, but to walk in mutual submission and to minister interdependently in concert and partnership with others. It's not about me fulfilling 
fulfilling my role. It's about us getting to the finish line together. Come on, somebody. And us shaping a generation that is following us in the Lord to equip them to take the baton further than we ever dreamed or imagined. Come on, somebody. If we build it right long after we're dead and gone, it will never miss a beat. But if it is built on one person or one man, it will fall when that man goes into the ground. And God, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. But God is looking for people that can put a knife to the throat and not live for themselves, but to live for something they may never see. All right. Now, I'm preaching quick because we got to take mom out to eat. And everybody's taking mom out to eat today. So we got to get, we're going to get early. I say that. I don't know. I got seven points. I'm dangerous with seven points. Listen to this. Listen to this. Here's number one. I'm talking about the dynamics of family. It's relationship and friendship. First, family is about doing life together. That should be the goal of every person in here. Now, let me say this. That's not the responsibility. That's not my responsibility to get you to do life together. It's your responsibility to find your tribe. Your tribe. Now, here's the thing. Let me say this. Your tribe is not going to be perfect, and there is no perfect church. And like I've always heard it said, if you find the perfect church, please do not join it because you will ruin it. You with me? But it's about relationship. The house of God, is our success is not defined by how many numbers we run. Our success is not defined by how much money we have in the bank account. Our success should be defined by how deep are the relationships that we have in this room. How much life are we doing together? Come on, somebody. And this body is held through joints and ligaments by which every joint supplies. The way you receive life is through your connection. The only way the branch doesn't get life is it has to be removed from the source. Come on, somebody. But as long as you are connected, there is life that comes to you and life that comes through you. And, and this is how we, as the body moves, as you give, it comes right back. As you give, it comes right back. Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaking up, multiplying, and running over. That's quoted at the offering. But it also means mercy. It also means grace. Come on, sir. It also means long-suffering. It also means friendship. I don't have no friends. If you would start being a friend, come on, somebody, to the friendless, God will give back to you, pressed down, shaking together, multiplying, and running over it's about relationships we dwell together and we share experiences we weep with the one who weeps and we celebrate with the one who celebrates the church is not defined by its programs but by its relationships now, we might not all be connected to me, but I'm connected to somebody who you connected to, and we all form a body in this room. I can tell you anything. If you want to grow in God, it comes through your connection. If you have a weak connection, you will have a weak relationship. Come on, somebody. But if you have a strong connection, the growth that you see happening in this house can flow to you and your whole family. It's, everything is based on connection. 
Well, I'm connected to God. Find me somewhere in the scripture where a man was sent out by himself by Jesus. Where's he at? Where's the man that was sent by himself? Jesus, at least he sent him out was two by two. Come on, somebody. He never sent him out alone and said, go do some great work. The reason he at least had two, because listen, when one's weak, the other one can be strong. This is right here. Attendance and participation in family gatherings. What kind of family would we be in my house if my sons never participated or showed up at the gathering? The reason why they show up, because we family. Now, I'm not trying to get some Mayberry deal that we all gather around the table, but every family's got to gather around. If they ain't gathering, there ain't no family. Come on, somebody. And here's the deal. God has no grandchildren or no stepchildren. He only got sons and daughters. All right. Families spend time together. They eat together regularly, consistently showing up on time. Oh, my God. Preacher, come on now. <laughs> Part of belonging to a spiritual family is about showing up for family gatherings. Look at this verse of Scripture right here in Matthew chapter 12. We're going to show what Jesus put on it. One of, the, one of the great things, too, about if we, if, we, if we approach the church as family, it breaks the consumer mentality, which we are ate up with. We want to find a church that's got the worship we like. Worship was never designed for us. It's designed for God. That's why a lot of people probably tuned into the uh, podcast or whatever, the live stream this morning, said, my God, they singing stuff out the hymnals. How many know the hymnals still work? It was working this morning. I felt God all over it. The problem with us, see, we get in such a routine, the devil knows what kind of playbook we're going to run. Hello, you got to shake it up sometimes. There's still power in the blood. There's still some very anointed songs in the red back hymnal. We don't establish this. God's not moving on the song anyhow. He's moving on the heart. And we can sing shout to the Lord all we want to, but that's Darlene Check's revelation of God. That ain't never been my revelation of God. Are you with me? Now, Matthew chapter 12, attendance and participation in family gatherings. You would not have a family if folk don't show up. All right, now, Matthew 12, 46. While he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. This is Jesus. His mother and his brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. With him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are here standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered, to them, he answered and said to them, to, 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 to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Man, think about that. My mom and my sisters out there I don't have a brother. Mom and my sisters out there. And I send Staten Island to tell him, who is my mother and who is my sister? This is what he did. Look at this. Look at this. But he answered and said to the one who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother 
and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, do you think that Jesus was devaluing family, natural family? No. He's elevating the value of spiritual family. The reason why we need each other, come on, now here's one, we're all going to face storms. Life ain't fair, and it ain't easy sometimes. And John Wayne says it's even tougher if you're stupid. We need each other. You need me, and I need you. Hello. Now, being a family is about attendance and participation. These two actions help define who we are in the family. Look at this. Because we vote for our feet, we know where our vote lies. Your attendance, listen to this, be mad if you want to, but your attendance proves what you think about the family of God. If you wake up and you say, well, I don't know if we're going to go to church. Come on, somebody. That has never been a question, and it's not been a question in my family because I'm a pastor. We went to church long before I ever had a pulpit to preach in. It's like Asher said, Daddy, can we take one time, my, my seven-year-old fit to be eight in a couple of weeks. He asked, he said, can we take this Sunday off? And I said, no. He said, I've been to church my whole entire life. Listen, we come to the house of God not out of religious duty, but we value the family of God. Come on. I would not be where I'm at today had it not been for not my natural family, but my spiritual family has helped me get through some things. Come on, somebody. And this is what Jesus said. Listen, it's one thing to have natural family, but I want to elevate the spiritual family, your brothers and sisters. This is your mothers and fathers, your brothers and sisters. Been to church my whole life. We can take one Sunday off. I'm not saying we can't have a Sunday off, but listen, what I'm talking about, the value, the value we place on the household of God. David said, I was glad, not I was dread, for I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let us go worship with the saints of God. Come on, somebody. I was glad. I was glad. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not to assemble yourselves together. Listen, this does not mean just attend church. Forsake not to assemble yourselves doesn't mean that you just need to go to church. When you assemble, you find your place. Church, I'm trying to help us here. How important it is for you to find your place. When you find your place, that means you find your fit. You found your place in the wall. And your job is just stay at your post in the wall. Everything you need will come to you as long as you stay planted in the wall. We talked about the verse of Scripture the other day. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they shall flourish. Come on. It doesn't matter what. If hell is shaking or if there's a drought, a tree that is planted by the river, never know that there is a a drought in existence. Come on, somebody. Why? Because it is planted and its roots has done went down in the river. This is your and our lives planted in the family of God. Come on, somebody. Even though hell is shaking, we got a root system that cannot be uprooted by the winds. Come on, somebody. The winds blow. Come on, but the only thing that the winds do in hurricanes is make that tree to produce a stronger root system. You and I need the winds of adversity sometimes to make the roots get deeper. But as the prophet Jakita said, the banana that gets pe- the banana that gets by itself, the one that gets eats first. There's a reason why in the wild habitat, 
that, 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 that the animals travel in packs is for safety. Fish swim in schools for safety. Mm-hmm. He said, my God. Now I'm going to get 30 texts. People, you know I was at church with Mama. I'm not talking about you that are not here today. Come on, somebody. But I am talking about a value that is placed on the household of God. Come on now. All right. Serving. Every family has chores. I could go old school on this. But your kids need some chores. Mine has a lot of chores. We got to pray these crows out. Y'all see the front entrance up here? The crow. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't know if we're going to sit out here with a shotgun Monday. There won't be some crows. If anybody eat crows, I'll have you plenty by lunchtime. I'm going to stack them up out there. Serving. Every family has chores. Find a place to serve is easy when you have a heart of a servant. In a family, listen, in a natural family, my kids don't look at me or Grant don't look at me when I say load the dishwasher. He doesn't look at me and say that's not my call. I don't feel called in that area. When I grow up, we were so wealthy, we had three dishwashers in our house. It was me and my two sisters. And my mama, Catherine, my mama's son, I'm telling you, clean, I'm telling you right now. Every Saturday, God bless her, but she had a bandana on, looked like Rambo. She had a pump up sprayer with bleach, washing the concrete. She bleached a mailbox. Everything we had was like that. We got through eating. We couldn't even sit. We didn't sit down and talk. Time we got the last bite in the mouth. Clean the kitchen up. <laughs> but Grant doesn't look at me because that's not going to fly in my household. It says that's not my call. How many knows as a dad, I got multiple calls. And when you have the heart of a servant, It is the easiest place to find a place to serve in the house of God. But when you think more highly of yourself, most jobs that are uh, that that you can able to serve in, most of them when you think more highly of yourself, is beneath what you think you should be doing. I didn't start out holding a microphone preaching to crowds. I've told you this story. We had Willie George, the, the program Willie George. If you've been in the Church of God for any length of time, you will remember the Willie George program in the 80s. And he had Rovercomer the Faith Dog. And I was Rovercomer the Faith Dog, and Catherine set up the sermon for me to come in with Rovercomer the Faith Dog. How many knows that I did not feel a call in my heart for a children's ministry? But I knew that my pastor had a vision and what she wanted to see accomplished in that city. And my heart was with them. Come on, somebody. And I was there to serve and to help them accomplish everything that God had put in their heart. All right. If your highest dream is personal greatness, then you will find most jobs in the church beneath you. But if your goal is to display the heart of Christ, who was a servant, then fitting and serving is easy. Serving is a definite way to communicate our membership in the family and our commitment to the family. The Bible says in 1 Peter 4.10 says that each of us should use the gift that we have been given to serve one another. How many knows the anointing that is in you is for you, but the anointing that is upon your life is for someone else? 
God is in you for you, but he comes upon you for someone else. And the gift that we have been given, whatever it is, it is for where God has planted you. God doesn't bring you to this church just for you to sit down. Come on, somebody. If he, if he has called you and planted you in this family, there is people in this family that needs what's on your life just as much as you need what's on my life. I'll tell you this. You'd be surprised at how many people sit down on their talents in the house of God. I remember when we were pastoring the church that we planted over in Alma. We were into about, what, maybe the third year. Might remember this. And it was my, it was my cousin's daughter. And uh, we were just needing musicians. Man, we had been praying. You know, God, send us some, send us some musicians. And then um, finally one night, she just spoke up and said, I played a guitar. Now, I was thinking, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, I was thinking, she probably just peek a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So I said, well, just bring your guitar and let me hear you. She played about four Bethel songs. I'm talking about shredded them. I said, uh, oh, my. That was setting in our church the whole entire time. Let me tell you this, that when we, whenever we were needing a couple years back when Ken and Christy left, I was just about to pull my hair out because I knew he gave me a certain amount of time that he was going to help me transition. We called everybody I could think of. I'm talking about with real money, offering a great package to pay someone to come in. And finally, God spoke to me and said, you quit stressing out. Everything you need will be provided in that house. How many know, listen to me, there is a lot of gifts and talents. Listen, we are, we are my Murdoch teaches that we are a warehouse full of seeds. All of us have something to give in this room. God never sends us empty-handed. All of us have something in this room. You may think that your gift is not important, but I'm telling you this, that most people thought David's slingshot wouldn't suffice, but it was everything needed to take a giant out that was holding a nation in bondage. Each of us has got to use the gift we've been given to serve one another. Number four, giving. Oh, Lord, help us out. Preach all we want money. To the give and take of family means give. Part of what it means to belong to a church is to give financially, whether you believe in the Old Testament way of 10% or the New Testament way, which is 100%. Giving is a part of the fabric and nature of the family. The church is called to give generously generously. If we are believers in this room, we're called to give generously. That means when the woman, come on somebody, the single mother ahead of us at the store, and it's in our means to help her, we got to help her. Luke 12, 34, this is how you know. Listen to me. You get mad with this. But what you think about God you can determine it right here, and I'm going to show you how you do it. This is how you know how much you love God. Open your checkbook and look. Because he said where your treasures is, there your heart is also. If you look at all your checks and they, to J.C. Panay and you can't find nothing in the kingdom, come on, somebody. Your heart ain't there. Your body's there, but your heart ain't there. Mm-mm. That's the truth. Giving is a practical way to honor the church and its leadership. 
Those who have tried to avoid giving to the local church also tend to have stay, trouble staying committed to the local church. Listen to this. Those who have, have trouble giving to the local church also have trouble staying committing to the local church. I've never in 20 years of ministry ever sat down in my office to counsel on financial issues that they looked at me and said, we are a tither. Hello. In 20 years of ministry, I've never counseled financially to a couple that said we are a tither. Most people do not tithe. It is an upside-down kingdom. If you want to receive, you must give. Come on, somebody. And I'm not talking about giving out of obligation or giving because your hand's been twisted. I'm talking about having the heart of God inside of us that we live with a heart of generosity that goes well beyond this church and into the community. We were sitting at Longhorns one night. And it was Catherine and I and Cleveland Allison, and I got the bill. And I looked at him, and he told the waitress, he said, you see that couple sitting over there, give me their bill. And I said, do you know them? He said, no. Listen, nobody made him do that. That is a heart that I'm talking about of generosity. How many knows that their mind was blown when the waitress come back? Come on, somebody. Because he didn't have the same skin color Cleve had that somebody just got their meal. And nobody knew that. All we now we that was probably what six months ago, I don't know, three or four months ago, but living with the heart of generosity. When I was a child, I used to hear it was more blessed to give than receive. I thought, man, they crazy. But how many knows that you have a child, you find out real quick that it's more blessed to give. Then receive. I took with just to you, because those that are close to me knows Matt and Stanton have eaten off of me for years, for a long time. I have a lot of money invested in them. <laughs> a killer amount of money. <laughs> but you know what I know? There's going to be the Zachs and the Trentons that eat off of them. Come on, this is the way we roll now. Hello. And I'm privileged to get to eat off a few people. Steve. Hello. Come on now. Man, I'm trying to tell you, boy, that's kingdom right there. That's kingdom. So when my, I, went out to, I went out to Chad's this week, and I was looking for a piece of something to go into a, a prayer cabin. And, and they just didn't have it. Chad come up to me and said, man, you need this right here. And I said, man, I don't need that. And so he said, but you don't believe this. He said, man, this is a killer deal. It was a Beretta. Those that know some guns, it was a Beretta A400 um, um, Extrema. I mean, a duck shotgun. Sure enough one. So anyhow, long story short, I come in there looking for something. I walk out there with that shotgun. No, no I didn't need it. And so the reason why we didn't have church on was now it has to be, man, what's going on? Listen, the Hornets was in, they was in the Elite Eight. And if they're in the Elite Eight next year, we ain't going to have church on Wednesday night. Come on, somebody. Hello. Or if the football team's playing for state, we're going to go watch them play the state. Because we're not about our church, we're about our community. Come on, somebody. Hello. All right. And we had a blast watching them play. Even though we lost, we had a, we had a great time. So I go pick my son up before the game on Tuesday night. He got to play Wednesday night. 
And so he looked in the back seat. He said, whose shotgun is that? Well, he thought it was Cleese because he's borrowed Cleese uh, to shoot three and a half a couple times. I said, well, it could be yours. He said, for real? I said, yeah, that's your gun. And I said, I just need your old one. No, I'm playing. But anyhow. But here's the deal. I did that. Why? Just because I could, and I'm his dad. And while I was telling him before the game, I don't care if you go with five, six strikeouts. Come on, somebody. He didn't do that. He wore it out. But here's the thing. It's not based on your performance. What I'm talking about is giving, people. Listen to me. If we could get this heart, I told you the story of the single mom at Walmart with a young guy in his early 20s, Grant witnessed it before his own eyes, and he told the lady for 100 what was it, $120, I think it was, or $125, this kid pulled a $100 bill and a 20 out of his wallet and bought that lady's food. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, that is more for the kingdom than what we do on most Sunday mornings. Hello. Giving. Number five, loyalty. Every family needs loyalty or else it would implode through infighting, abandonment, and betrayal. Now, here's the deal. You, the, once you settle this is your tribe, if you don't have it settled that this is your tribe, then you're going to have a hard time with this in your heart. Because if you, but if you got it settled it's your tribe, that means through thick and thin we connected. Come on now. Bass tried to leave us, came back. The first time I saw him was when me and Pastor Keith was going to do some work. He come over there. And I'm just, don't beat me off. Just share, I'm just going to share this a little bit. I want to share the whole conversation. I don't know if I can barely hear it. But here's the deal. He said, he said before he got out of his truck, how many of you just get hurt and wounded sometime by your family? That's the worst wounds to have. David said he could have handled it had it been a heathen out there, but it was the one that took took sweet counsel with him, that ate with him, walked with him, the one that put the blade through him. That's what hurt. We all we all been hurt. Every person in this room, if you've not been hurt by church, that's because you ain't been here long enough. Stay with us. Somebody fit to get you. Hello? But if you establish that that is your tribe, you have a commitment in your heart, listen, that goes beyond saying I'm, I, that's my church. At number two level, which you can't get hardly people to enter in anymore, but God still values, is called covenant. Hello, a marriage is a covenant. That word God set, God set into families means marriage covenant to stay put, to dwell together. God's looking for some people to find a place that can live there and do life and not look for the grass greener on the other side, but say, that's my people and that's the ones I'm going to die with. Hello. He said, out of his mouth before he ever saw me. God, I don't, I don't, if they if they, they trying to trick me or anything like that, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm done. Well, I'd had a dream. All I did was share the dream, and the power of God knocked him down in the youth room. He was on his hands and knees. You remember that? Knocked him down. He got up and said, I'll call y'all by the job. He left. In that moment, God dealt with seven years, come on, somebody, of hurt and said, that's your family, and I brought you right back full circle, and you're going to help that man make it to where he needs to go. Come on, somebody. Loyalty holds us together because here's the deal about family. Once we do life together, we know everybody's stuff. Man, come on. Hello? 
Family structure usually knows the worst about each other. We have the potential to cause each other the most damage. Loyalty is a place of friendship that allows us to cover a multitude of sin. Loyalty is the place of friendship that allows us to cover a multitude of sin. This deep commitment to one another through thick and thin, for better or worse, we are loyal to protect what God is doing in our midst, so we are loyal in speaking and our actions. Here's the thing. I realize God called me here to be a part of a tribe. My loyalty is to God. Come on, somebody. And if my loyalty is to God, then I place high value on the tribe of people that he called me to. And how I show my loyalty of God is how I handle myself in the tribe. We got to break this. I'll take my football and go home. I'm just going to take my ball and go to the house. Well, you're going to be hard to be playing on the field when you got the one ball because you're going to have to have a team. I don't care how bad of a running back you are, you're going to have to have some big bodies to stand in front of and block for you. We all want to shout the running back, but if you give credit to the line to create the hole for him to get through there, he got to have a little bit of room to break free. Come on, somebody. Loyalty is what keeps this place from disintegrating. Yeah, you're going to get ticked off with me. I'm ticked off, Pastor John, right now. And you're going to call seven people on the phone. That's how it works. Come on, y'all. Can we just get real? We got about 10 minutes left in the flight, okay? Come on. And this is how the conversation going to go. Listen here. I just need you to pray with me about something. Will you just pray with me about something? Pastor John called off the Wednesday night service because his son was playing baseball. I believe. He's out of order. Let's pray. Seek God. But I wasn't the only preacher in the stands on Wednesday night. The Baptist pastor, the church of God, come on. The Methodist, everybody was out there watching that game. Hello. <laughs> Don't get mad. I'm about to break it down. Since we're family, and some of you are going to show up in the house. Hello. At the house eating a TV dinner, watching Bonanza. Talking about and, and calling three prayer warriors, talking about we got to pray for pastor. <laughs> I just uh, I just want to share something with you. I had a lady in our church in Alma, every time she called me, she said, Can I can, I just want to be honest with you? I said, Well, you've been lying to me the whole time. I mean, what's the every time, every time the conversation goes, I just want to be honest with you. Well, have you been lying the whole time? I mean, where are we at? Okay. I'm glad we, we've got down to honesty here. Listen, loyalty. Find where your tribe is, stick it out. It's not gonna be easy. What you gotta understand, what I'm preaching about is a difficult path, but it is the most rewarding path. Damon talks about something called long path. This is not a short distance race we're in. This is an entire marathon. It has to be, this is what Steve told me four years ago. He said, you can only move the people just like God told Moses. You can only move the people at the pace that the women and children can keep up. That's wisdom on how to make the journey. We have to stop along the way and make sure that the women and children are at the place they need to be. Come on, somebody. By the way, 
Can I just say this about the children? We bumping close to 100 over there in that building on Wednesday night. The children could be outrunning us up in here. Hello? We got children fasting and praying. Come on now. All right. Loyalty. Now, number six, accountability. I've always heard this priest in church about accountability. This is people in your life to keep you from sinning. That's the wrong view of accountability. The proper way to view accountability is you got people in your life that knows what there is in your account and what is your ability. And so when they come to you, what they're going to talk about is, why are you not living up to your account and what your ability is? Hello? True accountability don't beat me because I stumble and fall. It reminds me of who God said I was in the midst of my failure. Come on, man. My God, this is good. When you see a brother slip and fall, don't beat him up because he failed. He already knows he failed. Remind him of what God said about him. Man, you called to be a preacher of the gospel. You called to be a businessman. Quit acting like that. Live up to your account. And accountability sometimes will put hands on us that feel like they are restricting us. But God is not restricting us, but shaping us to get to the next level. Everybody, want, how many wants the new wine up in this house? But before we ever taste the new wine, God will always deal with the wine skin because he will never pour the new wine into that old wine skin. And when the process gets to, work, to working on the skin, we cry out and say, God, quit, leave us alone. Come on. But God, if we want the new wine, we have to go through the process of developing the new wine skin to hold what God is trying to release. My God, that's good. We belong to a good family that cares about us, so we need to check in from time to time. If Grant's going to be late, I hear from him. This is how you know who's a part of your church and who just comes to your church. They ain't there, they're going to let you know. This is where we at. Some of you, we don't hear from you. This called, this called, this is your, this, you dating us. You ain't married to us. Man, come on, get off me. Don't get upset with me when I'm talking the truth. You dating us. You here for a euphoric high to get you through next week's battle. But you ain't committed. And you ain't in covenant. Well, we just don't show up. Accountability was designed to be voluntarily. It shouldn't be the pastor's job to check in with everybody. It's the responsibility of each family member in a local church to be voluntary accountable. At our house, we live in the woods. There's a creek by our house. John Bentley and Ashley stay in the creek. But this is what they know. About every 30 minutes an hour, they holler, Hey! They let us know they're still alive. We call it roll call. If we don't hear from them in a length of time, we sit out the search party. Same way with us. Come on, somebody. I'm like, man, I, I mean, Lord, I thought that this was just a place, man, that we could come and get blessed. And, and man, they, they have it set up for us. Come on now. This is accountability. I'm talking about growth versus you just staying the way you are. Do you want to grow? All right. 
Accountability was designed to be voluntary. Should be the pastor's job to check in with everybody. It's the responsibility of each family member in a local church to be voluntary accountable, to report in, to let people know when we be out of town and so on. Ephesians 4, 6, Paul said that the body is made up through joints and ligaments, which by every joint supply. Life flows to and from these connection points. Listen to this last thing I'm going to deal with. Conflict resolution. A big part of family is fighting. If you ain't never fought in your family, I don't know what's wrong. We fight at the Bagley household. Three boys, Asher and Ben especially. We have to deal with it. All right? I tell them to get in the yard until one bleeds, fix it. Listen, no. Nah. Families that are honest will admit that they disagree. Hey, let me just say this. This is where we got, what, what separates us in the church is because of disagreements. That's because we gather around the wrong things. When you gather around a father and a mother, you don't gather around agreement. You gather around a relationship. And the relationship is valued over the agreement. That means we can disagree, but we're still in relationship because I value that over agreement. The church is segregated over, over only about 3% of doctrinal issues, which most of the doctrinal issues that separate us are not heaven or hell issues. The Baptists are separated because they don't believe in speaking in tongues where the Pentecostals believe in speaking in tongues. Whether you speak in tongues is not a heaven or hell issue. It is about how much heaven you're going to invade this realm, though. Come on now. And most of that theology is released through cemeteries. I mean, seminaries. <laughs> oh, man, I'm going to quit. Got some hate mail coming. My email address is stantonmore at sparsefly.cc. Big part of families fighting. Families that will be honest, they disagree with each other. We're not gathering around agreement. We gather around families. Hello. Listen, how many times has the Protestant church, how many times has the Protestant church split? Nobody in here can name it. That's how many times it has. How many times the Catholic church ever split? What, does it, what, do, what do Catholics call their pastor? Father. What does the Protestant call their church? Pastor. Brother. Try, man. Oh, that's a whole nother subject right there. See law on that right there. They're gathering around the Father. They don't care whether they agree in that place. Their loyalty is to the family. This is why the Catholic Church believes if they train their children by age seven in Catholicism, they shall not leave the faith. But you and I, in our churches, this is current issue right now, 95% of our kids that are trained in the house of God, when they go to college, will denounce their faith. 
because most of our churches is giving our kids a theological-based diet with no experience. But if you ever kid lead a kid into experiential knowledge of what you just taught, when you teach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and that kid experiences the power of God from heaven and speaks in another tongue, it will not be stripped from them when they get from a university because they have moved from head knowledge to heart knowledge and experiential knowledge that God is good. Psalms 34, a taste of the Lord is see that he is good. Taste and see. All right. Sometimes a family member needs to be confronted. This is where we failed. There cannot be a true relationship without confrontation. Confrontation proves the depth of your relationship. Not agreement, disagreement. Loyalty, David did not prove his loyalty to Saul while he was in the palace with the harp. He proved his loyalty to Saul when he was in the cave and could have took his life. When Joash said, kill him, God has handed him into your hands right now. And he looked at him and said, do you not fear God? That's God's anointed man regardless of where the condition he lies. My God, come on somebody. And that's when David just took the bottom of his robe to let him know I could have got you. But I'm still loyal to you, man. Why? Why did David do that to why did David do that to Saul? Because he didn't see him as his pastor. He cried out, My father, my father. David saw him as the father in his life. Man, that's good. When you confront somebody, with the church needs to learn the biblical model of how to confront when there's a disagreement. The Bible says in Matthew 18 that you do not call people on the phone. We just need prayer about this. What we do is we try to get the posse rounded up. Everybody's in our favor to heard our side of the story. We're all guilty of this, but the scripture says you go to the person. You go to them. Now, if y'all can't work it out, that's where I get involved. Then if we can't work it out, then the elders get involved. Then if we can't work it out, the church gets involved. And somebody leaving. Is that what the Bible says? Did we misquote it? Matthew 18? Now, confrontation, when we confront one another, the goal of, listen, there cannot be, listen, sometimes a family needs to be, needs to be confronted, confronted. There cannot be the risk that every time someone is confronted, they are threatened to leave the family. Anytime fear is involved in confrontation, anxiety will be at its highest level. The goal of communication, I'm going to take no notes right here now. The goal of communication is not to be right, but to be understood. The goal of communication is not to be right, but to be understood. And because we all have our views, sometimes we have a hard time understanding different views. We come from two different worlds. So I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes she has a hard time understanding me, even though I'm right. <laughs> sometimes I have a hard time understanding her. You know what I'm saying? I am a production thinker. Well, I love cutting grass. I hit the ground running. She thinks and analyzes everything. We was putting, we was putting up a, a deal projectors one time in our church in Alma. A guy had it. He was an analyzer thinker. He looked at it about several times. I watched him for about forty five minutes on his ladder. I said, "Man, I'm telling you what. I appreciate you, 
but you just got to get out the ladder right there. You know what I'm saying? Because we can't analyze it no more. We done looked over it, did all the scientific equations we got. It's simple. Put a tape measure on it, bore two holes, and let's put it in the wall. The goal of communication has got to be understood. There cannot be a fear in confrontation. So when I go to confront somebody, confront them, my goal is not to be right. My goal is to preserve relationship. If that is the goal, I will go to any means and extent to preserve relationship, even if I have to walk away. Even if I have to walk away feeling defeated and I lost, but if I gained the friendship, I gained everything. Y'all, that's good right there. We must have grace and correction, whether we are giving it or receiving it. And here's the thing. Somebody said, well, they got to hear the truth. If you can't speak the truth in love, then you don't have the right to speak the truth. That's so good right there. If you can't speak, listen, listen here. Listen, this is how the response should be. When Nathan went to David to confront him about his sin with Bathsheba, do you think that Nathan was strolling down the streets and said, I'm going to rebuke the king today? I guarantee you, buddy, he fasted for days and feared for his life before he ever walked in front of God's man like that. Why? How do you know that? Because David is the greatest king, and Samuel the prophet who anointed that king, the Scripture says when he showed up to Jesse's house that the whole town trembled and wondered if he'd come in peace or not. This is how revered this man was. And Nathan was about to go tell him that he had committed sin against God. He was weeping. The most judgmental prophet in Scripture is Jeremiah, but he is also known as what? The weeping prophet. If we should be, Listen, if we had to confront our brother and sister over a sin issue, we should be weeping when we go before their presence. If you go before them halting, man, you will destroy the relationship. Here's the issue. We allowed the God-ordained instrument called the local church and those who lead it to address the remaining areas of growth needed in us. Now, here's the deal. It's not your job to grow your neighbor. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. Our job is to catch the fish. It's the Holy Ghost's job to clean the fish. And here's the deal. If we want the harvest that God's talking about, we're going to have to learn how to live with some issues. You have to learn how to, people leaving the church lighting a cigarette walking to the car. Vapor hanging around their necks. But if you want the harvest, this is what it looks like. Oh, the harvest that God's after, right? They, they ain't church, they ain't Christianized, I can tell you right now. And they're going to help us out a whole lot because then that, we don't have to break all that off their life. They're just going to go for it. You know what I'm saying? We just tell them Jesus is awesome, they're going to run for it. Hello? We're going to have to deal, we're going to have to deal with with couples that are cohabitating, not married. And you can't let that shake you, shake you to death. Come on, somebody. You just got to believe that the seed of the kingdom is that powerful. Come on, somebody. We got to raise the church in righteousness consciousness that believe that the power of righteousness is the power to break sin. Hello. Jesus was not concerned when he touched the leper that leprosy was fixing to invade him. He knew the power of righteousness on his life was about to overcome leprosy when he touched it. This is the life of us in this room. All right, I got to quit. Pre I'm, I'm done, but I'm not done. Here's the deal. Why God puts us in families is anybody knows that a building wall, especially if you're dealing with stones, 
all stones don't fit together. You got to cut on it. This is why the Bible says iron sharpens iron. God's always going to put somebody that's going to cling with you. Because what he's trying to do is to adjust your fit in the wall. So if you want to hang around people that look like you, act like you, and talk like you, you're probably not going to grow much. Huh? Democrats want to stay with Democrats at CNN. Fox News and the Republicans want to hang out. But we need both sides. That's why there's two branches. That's why there's two wings on an airplane, not one. Hello? God uses the scalpel of our brothers and sisters to get rid of cancers of self-protection, of defensiveness and dishonesty and hidden sin and shame. We need each other. And we need to cling together sometimes. You with me? But here's the deal. In the clanging, the goal is relationship. The goal is relationship. What's God building fam- what's God what God what's God building on the earth? He's not building mega churches, he's building family. That can leave a heritage to their children's children. Stand up with us on prayer with you. You can take mom out. Me and the boys are gonna spurge. We're taking Catherine to Taco Bell today. Oh, take her somewhere nice now, cut up. <laughs> hey. Raise your hands. Let's just pray right quick. Father, we just thank you for the family of God. We thank you for the family of God. We thank you for the institution of family that you chose to place on the earth to develop sons and daughters to reign with the king. Father, we thank you for every mother. We thank you for every father in this house. Lord, we pray a special blessing on the moms today. Where would we be without the nurturing and the guidance and the long-suffering of the mother. And so, Father, I bless them. I bless them with a great week. In Jesus' mighty name, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hug somebody. Love on them. God bless you. We'll see you here Wednesday night. We will be having service. Wednesday night is church. We're going to see how much we family. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media. 